Welcome, everyone. Welcome to the Enzo Show, where we use Eastern wisdom to combat modern problems and help you achieve a more fulfilling life. My name is Isan, and my name is Francis. So, do you want to talk a little bit about yourself, Yusin? Uh, what's where, where are you from? Who are you? What are you doing with your life? Give me the down low, man. So, the down low is I'm from the Maldives, who um, did my first four years of uh, bachelor's and master's in the UK. That's where I met you. And now I'm um, forming beautiful relationships and meeting beautiful people. So now I'm in Italy doing my PhD. And uh, yeah, I think to put my life into a sentence, it would be that where I'm currently at. All right. So... Just quickly, what, what was your first four years? Because you did something quite impressive, didn't you? Right, yeah, yeah. So my first four years was actually doing a master's degree in aerospace engineering. Yeah, so, cool. Thank you. Now, what about you? What about yourself? What's uh, your... I, I actually did a, a master's degree in aerospace engineering with a foundation year because I messed up my A-levels. Uh, 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 uh. So five years. Catch up. Mm-hmm. Now, as long as you get there, innit, in the end. <laughs> <laughs> no. So, my, my master's in aerospace engineering, um, and went a bit off piece, stayed in Liverpool, which is where we both met each other, um, mm-hmm. and doing my PhD in vertical farming, looking at kind of food sustainability um, and risk mitigation. So, how can we make vertical farms economically viable so we can start spreading them across the globe? anyone's not familiar with what vertical farming is it's kind of it's growing crops and uh, vegetables plants hydroponically so soillessly with with just water and nutrients um, in vertical layers or towers what did you say your PhD was in Newton right man yeah I was quite surprised there at how uh, concisely you put your uh, explained your PhD man I have um, I've always struggled to explain what PhD is in but okay let's let's give it a crack so it's it's Currently, I'm working with a data from Brains of Mice, where we try to infer something about the structure of the brains of these animals. I think, yeah. Really? Yeah, no, I've yeah. never got it so concisely from you. I had no idea that's what you were looking at at the moment. I, yeah, no, I, I, I don't really talk about my PhD that much. But yeah, no, that's, um, that's currently what the work is on. So doing our PhDs, is <laughs> just to give a little bit of insight into why we think what we're talking about is quite applicable to everyone. As a PhD, you do this research, but a lot of the time we just kind of spend in front of our computer screens, delving into the internet, doing simulations or building models, um, either making phone calls, sending emails, kind of writing papers and um, reading articles. And it can get quite like cumbersome, like you're sat down all day in a chair. It can feel quite isolating because you're the only person that knows a lot about your topic. Mm. Um, and... I mean, yeah, it can be kind of struggle. We need a lot of discipline and daily mo- and motivation. And bringing spirituality, learning to let go um, and stop getting obsessed with perfection, for example, when a lot of people who do a PhD are chronic overthinkers, so they're writing and they might find it quite hard to get into the, the zone of just writing your ideas, letting them flow without kind of judging your thoughts. Um, and just kind of building those connections and feeling connected, although that you're working on a small thing and it's not really a team environment, um, is 
something that Eastern philosophies we found both benefited us greatly. And we didn't know that we were both into it until recently, really, didn't we, Eason? That's true, yeah. Yeah, we only started talking about this very recently. Like, how long ago was it? Like two, three months ago? But yeah. before that, I've never really knew that you had an interest in these things. But yes, keep quite personal, kind of like your religious beliefs or your kind of personal philosophies. You kind of to yourself, right? But sometimes it's nice to, to share it. And uh, it's starting to become quite a movement in Western culture now with kind of like headspace, all these meditation apps, and people are starting to realize that kind of Buddhism, Taoism, um, these kind of Eastern traditions are not actually asking you to believe in anything in particular. It's more just a kind of journey of discovering yourself um, and making more kind of empowered uh, decisions and flow of, flow of life, really. Right, absolutely, yeah. These, these uh, philosophies, they don't really have any doctrines that you should be believing in and no real rituals that you should be following. It's more about just a way of thinking, way of looking at the world that then yeah. gets you closer to this flow it's like, state. It's like changing your perspective, really, right? You can really feel the benefits, like in your everyday life, just the way that you view the world just makes you feel more connected and grounded going out even just going a walk down the street and you feel like you're all part of a bigger system and and yeah absolutely man and and also you know before you're talking about the phds as well so i i think for me personally like my phd has been a lot about the ups and downs so one day everything could be because i work with a lot of models simulations one day everything could be working perfect you know getting all the right results you know you could be getting the final figures for this and then all of a sudden the next day, it's like you realize you did the mistake and everything's just yeah. wrong. Months of work, or no, maybe not months, but it's weeks of work. It's gone down to. Hey, I've been doing ethics for six months. Roadblocks, man. It is. It's like it's, it's like oh. it's like just being bipolar in terms of the mood swing. It's always up and down, which you never know what's going to hit you next. Um, mm. You might just find out that what you were working on, a paper was released, and it answers the question you were looking at, and you've got to come up with a new idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've I've heard that happens to quite a lot of people, right? Because yeah. there's, there's a lot of mood mm. swings and just be stable and consistent. Something's incredibly important. Which brings us to our first point that we want to discuss, actually, which is uh, why we you started to get into meditation, um, or both both of us started to get into meditation oh. as a daily ritual to kind of help ground us, right? So, what was the first instance that you just kind of start started to meditate? Um, or give a personal experience that meditation helped you overcome? Right, so let me just tell you a bit about how, so when I first started meditating, right, it was just doing short, really short, five to ten minute um, sessions. And it was really hard, really hard to quieten your mind, to keep your thoughts still, and just to, I, I, even before you could distance yourself from the thoughts that you're having, just to get a period of quietness between thoughts that was incredibly hard i would be sitting there trying to meditate trying being the uh, the key word here and then all of a sudden realize yeah i'm not really meditating i'm just going off with these thought trains but you know with the, the more i do it the uh, the easier it becomes to realize when this is happening and you know now i think so to give, give an example of how this... Um... Let me just throw in there before, before we finish. Uh, as Yoda said, no, try, try not or, or try. Do or do not. There is no try. 
So you say you were trying. The key word is trying. There yeah. is trying, man. You were meditating That's despite the fact that it wasn't perfect. That is true. Yeah, it is. It, there, there is the perfection in it, in the uh, imperfections. Mm. But no, um, no, I, I agree with you because it is those early sessions that got me to being able to, you know, do it better eventually. So every year, I agree, man. But um, so yeah, just to say, you know, lately, I, I, I I've always been quite afraid of uh, public speaking, right? And ever since I started meditating, I've been sort of able to bring some of that when, into um, the times when I've had to do public speaking presentations and stuff. And, you know, how it helps is, so normally when I'm up there speaking, right, I feel like I'm being watched by everyone, I'm being judged. But it really pushes me into my head. But meditating every day and trying and learning to distance myself from my thoughts allowed me to, to realize that even though during these times when I'm feeling like this in front of people, um, trying to uh, trying to present, trying to think of what to say, I get to a state where I realize that I am thinking these things, and in doing so, it it frees me in a way. I realize that I do have these thoughts that are quite negative, that people are judging me, that I should be afraid, that I'm like, am I am I doing it right? Am I going to like how, how do I look like in front of these people? But realizing that you know it is me thinking these things, but I don't have to identify with it frees me to then just be able to say, yeah, yeah. cool, I have these thoughts, yeah, let's yeah. just get on with it. That actually kind of triggered a, a thought in me, which is I, I kind of ask people sometimes whether they think that their brain and the kind of content that it produces or the thoughts and percep percep perception that it um, brings you, is that yourself or is it kind of a greater power or kind of soul that um, is you. Like when you start to kind of distance yourself from your brain, the emotions and thoughts that it's having, you can actually view your brain as a system that's working for you, as like a computer, and you have to prime it, and sometimes it might have negative thoughts not be working in your favor, but distancing yourself allows you to have more control over, say when you're presenting, being like, I'm having these negative thoughts. If it's not working for you, detach yourself, and let your, your soul take over, which is when people speak from the heart. Like you have yeah. Is like Martin Luther King, the, these things aren't logical, rational um, kind of speeches that they've done. No, it's, it's like a greater power or their soul is, is speaking. Um, it's coming from a different place, the, right? You know, mm. meditation helps to provoke that, I think. 100%. It just helps you to realize when. You know, yeah, like like you say, your brain, your thoughts, they it is essentially a tool. It can be very useful when used right, when, you, when you're thinking about things that you should be thinking about. But when it's constant chatter that's just not adding anything to your life, most of it's quite rep repetitive, right? I think and, it's, it's, it's important to remind people as well that you were saying when you first started there was constant chatter. Um, mm. Those are times where it's most important to meditate. Like today, for example, I woke up, I did my daily meditation um, at eight o'clock in the morning and my mind was really busy. It was constant chatter, but you just, every time you become aware of the chatter, then you just bring it back to the breath or back to kind of silence it gradually, not too forcefully, almost effortlessly, but just kind of bring that awareness. Um, and that daily practice of just kind of training that muscle, it is like a muscle, just bringing, being aware um, is 
what's good, but the the fact that you have this constant chatter doesn't mean you're doing it wrong. No. It's never a straight path, but you get better at it as you go along, for sure. Absolutely. So, what about for you? Have you when did you start meditating, and has it has it started showing its benefits in your day to day life, or what's your so, experience? I think we, we mentioned this in the last episode, but I first started meditating when I was having quite a hard time in near the end of secondary school. I say when I was 16, 15. There's a book that I really liked when I was a kid, um, around the age of 11, called Arrogant. And I think mm. that, but I, mean, I haven't read the book in quite a long time, um, but I'm pretty sure looking back on it, that I had a bunch of these kind of Eastern philosophical concepts um, embedded in the kind of teacher, a bit like, there was like a Yoda sort of character. Um, and even Yoda himself, people say that he was based off these kind of philosophies of Zen and Buddhism when they, they did the show and kind of what he was saying. Um, so there was a point where the guy kind of silences his mind and tries to connect to all the living things around him and get in tune with them, kind of listen to their thoughts and draw upon their energy and bring them into himself. So I started doing that in my park where there was a bench that's kind of isolated from everything, got a nice viewpoint and you could see all the, the kids playing in the distance in a playground down the hill and a kind of view of London um, at the top. And kind of did this practice and it just it makes you feel quite whole, it makes you feel quite um, like you're drawing upon good energy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as time went on, I kind of dabbled in it, slowly explored it, got in a headspace a few times. But over the re- recent maybe six months, past six months, seven months, I've been a lot more disciplined about it. It's brought me a lot of stability. The, the kind of grounding practice, you have something consistent every day that you do for yourself and it kind of quietens the mind and allows you to become aware. It's like a reminder on a daily practice. It's not about the meditation itself. It's about the awareness that it brings into the rest of your day where mm-hmm. you act more intentionally. You're less reactive and you can make more, it's like, say your body and your mind and your soul is the system that every time you make a decision, your system should try and make the best kind of a move, say it's a chess game. Um, You're basically just oiling it every day with your meditation. It's not about the, the oil that you're putting in, it's about the functionality that you provide. So you put in a bit of oil, tweaked it a little bit, and then the rest of the day, you're just running a little bit more smoothly. No, that's that's very beautifully put. Cheers, so, man. No, um, <laughs> <laughs> no, that was quite beautiful, man. So, do you do you meditate every day now? Without so, like, do you know? As in, my question was going to be: Say, are there any days where you skip meditation? And on days, those days, do you find you a bit? Yeah. So, a lot of times I'd skip it, especially if you start doing really well in your life or if you are really, really busy, then you skip it. But I think those are the times when it's most important to prioritize it. So when you feel really, really rushed and there's not enough time, that's when you have to be like, what are you rushing for? And can you spare 20 minutes of maintenance for yourself? Um, 20 minutes of a 24-hour day is such a small ask. Um, And even 10 minutes, if, if you can even allow that, if you can spare 10 minutes, 20 minutes and give up something which is, it shouldn't be more important than yourself. 
then put that first. So if you're not feeling particularly, I know I have friends who are anxious and they've stopped meditating and I've convinced them to go at it because that's the most important time to meditate. They say, I can't meditate. And I said, there is no like trying or not to trying. You just, you just sit there and you try your best and that is meditating. Don't judge it. I think that's the obstacle that stops me from meditating sometimes in the past was that you feel like you're not doing it right. But it's just the effort that counts. Just sit there, put a, a timer, or the reason I like Headspace, sometimes the unguided version as well, is just the intention of setting aside 20 minutes that's structured, and in that time you do it, and at the end maybe there's like a gentle alarm ring to welcome you back to your, your life, really. You know, go about your daily activities, but you're taking that time out. It's like being in a river that is life, and then you just take 20 minutes to sit aside the bank and just watch the, the river flow. Mm. Get that macro yeah. of what obstacles there are in front of you through the day. And, uh, getting some perspective on your... Um, getting some perspective on your life and what sort of things, yeah. what's worrying you, things that are, you know, making you happy, yeah. just observing so it. About it. And just and let go of the resistance. Because the resistance mm. is where things are painful and you struggle. Um, right, yeah. Because a lot of the times, the, the pain is partly, well, mostly due to resistance rather than to the situation or circumstance, really, right? And, um, yeah, you know, it, it, it's been happening to me where, so I do my morning meditations as well, like um, 10 minutes every day, which is more focused on breathing. But I do take some of that time to just observe my thoughts and uh, reflect, but mostly just to observe. But, you know, lately doing this has allowed me to realize that, like you say, it's, it, it grounds me in the sense that I, I, there's that underlying realization that anytime, no matter what's going on in my life, I can still fall back onto that state of being calm and being present to the moment and what, what is really without judging, without, without labeling anything, just completely immersing yourself in everything that's going on around you. And I really like what you said about the park bench, you know, because I, I, I've been, I've been doing that quite a lot recently, just because uh, well, it's getting to somewhere now that the days are getting really lovely here. So it's, sometimes when I'm sitting on park benches, I see, you know, the, the, the dogs playing, the, the children running around, like, and, and, and just the way sometimes the, the wind catches the trees as well. Like when you realize these things, when you notice these things or become aware of these things, the, or the, uh, the jazz that's happening around you, and it, it really quietens you and brings you to a place where you realize that you are, a part of all that's going on around you. Yeah, and being in the city, sometimes it can be quite easy to miss these things out, but people say being in nature kind of helps yeah. alleviate all these problems and de-stress from modern life and all the other pressures. And you're surrounded by these infinitesimal details that just make you feel part of a, a bigger whole, you know? You know, I think, well, I, th I think this is, this is a very subjective opinion, but I think for me, the, the, my problem with, with the cities, right, even, even the, most of the busier ones, I don't think it's just the cities. It's it's that there's a, a normally when you when you're in these crowded cities, you see it in people's faces. No one's really relaxed. No one's really, you know, enjoying where they are. Everyone's like you say in this rush, and and this this you sense it as, as soon as you get to these big cities, right? And I think that's. I wouldn't generalize as far to say is everyone is like that, but certainly no. you notice it a lot. So say in London on public transport, right, especially yeah. after work, it's quite hard to see like a smile on people's faces. And when there is, 
um, you stand out and you can, you can even make quite a massive impact yourself if you just look around, get eye contact with someone and smile at them. Smile, yeah. It's brighten up their day, right? Just them remember that you can be connected because I think it kind of detaches you a little bit from just the small little details around you when you're wrapped up looking at a computer all day. And I know I've suffered from that doing the PhD a little bit, um, but it's important to look at the whole, everything that's going around you. Um, sorry, I'm just looking out the, the window now. I'm just looking at the clouds. I'm like, it's beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the clouds, they are perfect, aren't they? To go back to the, the, the park bench quickly as well, there was one thing I was particularly trying to practice one time, which quite was quite an interesting experience. Um, I've written a blog post on it quite a while back, actually, which was about trying to let go of your judgment on your, your thoughts. So when you look at things, just trying to remove the lens, which is your, your judgment. They call them like, imagine your, your thoughts are glasses that you're wearing and you're judging those thoughts. Try and remove those glasses and look at everything at face value. So say you're, you're looking at people and normally you're already making all these small micro judgments about their personality, who they are, what they're doing what you think about them, just remove all that and just see them as uh, a human, a spiritual being going about their human experience and how beautiful that is. Um, and when I was going through that kind of practicing that perspective as I was meditating, these two guys came up to me. I was reading my, my book after this at this point. Um, and then I just decided, you know what, rather than reading this book, I'm just going to ask them how their day's going. Uh, they offered me a beer and we sat there chatting for like two hours um, and they, they gave me, shared some drinks with me, shared a few cigarettes and it was just a really nice time to connect with two, two fellow strangers like that. And it felt quite coincidental that it happened just as I was having this kind of paradigm shift. Hmm. So just two random people and you just happened to... Yeah, yeah, so I spoke to them like for a good two nights to watch the sunset. Um, but it's just funny that having that shift of perspective of feeling like I was looking through things like lenses, the thoughts, and taking off those glasses, and it's almost like they gravitated towards me. Obviously, right, that's no. coincidental, but I think you, it's kind of like law of attraction, right? If you kind of embrace this philosophy, people are drawn to you almost and uh, kind of reflect. They're a reflection of your inner state. If you're feeling quite open and welcoming, other people yeah. tend to be open and welcoming as well. Right, and I, I think I've definitely noticed this in my life, where if I'm having a great day, if I'm feeling happy and joyous and, like, you know, full of, full of life, um, people, like, everywhere I look around, people are smiling, people are happy. Mm -hmm. it, and, you know, it, say, me being happy might not be the cause for these people smiling, but I think it causes a shift in how you look at the world. Say, if I'm feeling all gloomy, if I'm feeling all down, then I just tend to notice the things that are sad and, and, and well, not so happy. So I think, yeah, this is, yeah, it ties into that, right? Yeah, but I also, mean, your perspective is your reality. So yeah. when no two people watch the same film, and I know that if you watch a film when you're in a, in a bad uh, negative mood, you're not going to enjoy it as much. But when you look at it with a... When you're in a great mood, you'll kind of pick up on all these little subtle details and the kind of humor and find things a lot funnier, you know? Um, just those small subtleties, that's how you go about your daily life. You don't, people don't realize that they're so, um, I wouldn't say subject, but or they, they're going, they're living their life through the lens of their mood and their hormones and the chemical kind of interactions in their brain 
actually somewhat kind of tint their their perspective whilst taking these eastern spiritual kind of traditions and philosophies kind of just i think gives you a nicer tint most of the time makes you more aware and present so i think we should um get on to our, our second point quickly which is what we've kind of been practicing recently in our meditation which is about noting do you want to tell us a little bit about what noting is Yusun? No, I think this is more your um, field, really. I'll yeah. get into a tip as well, but I okay. think you should explain that one. So, so on. noting, um, which I've been covering corporate in my daily practice for a while now, because I find it quite hard to visualize sometimes. Um, so I, this is the kind of main thing that I like to do. And even when you live your, your regular life when you're not particularly meditating, just noting whether you're having a thought or a feeling sometimes allows that separation to give you that kind of power of your mind. Um, so say you're feeling quite negative or anxious or you're, you're really happy even, and just being like, oh, that's a, a feeling that I'm experiencing. And it's as simple as that, just nothing more, nothing less, just saying, oh, it's a feeling, allows you this kind of liberation to like you kind of, it's almost like your, your mind is programmed to just let it flow and pass a little bit. So especially if you're having a hard time, um, it tends to subside after you've acknowledged it. Same thing with a thought. Say you're a little bit uh, nervous about something and you've thought, oh, like uh, this could go really badly or, oh, I'm, like, I'm really nervous for this. I'm like, oh, that's a, that's a thought that I'm experiencing. And it's almost like by acknowledging it, you said, okay, I've acknowledged that mind. Um, I don't have to think about that anymore. Same thing with journaling when you're, about to go to bed, it's like you've acknowledged what's going on in your mind, so it doesn't have to worry about it anymore. You know, I find that technique really useful for quieting the mind in daily life or during your meditation. Hmm. Well, that's very interesting because I I don't really do that that often. Try to as in I never knew that that's what it was called. I, I do realize sometimes when I'm having a thought, oh, there goes a thought. But mm. no, that's it. Yeah, thank you for that. Um, so. I think yeah, what, what I was going to say is, um, so this is something I've been trying since I recently read the book, The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle. Oh, I've heard so, the book. Yeah, no, it, it's a beautiful book. I had to give it, give it a review, and I think it's the best review for a book I've ever written. Really? My flatmate, someone bought it for her. Um, she'll ask her what she thinks of it, really. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's a beautiful book. But, so, yeah, the thing that I've been trying to bring a lot more into my day-to-day life is... You know, once something becomes, I think this goes into the, uh, the, the flow state psychology as well. Once mm. something oh, becomes... Actually as well, yeah. I really want to read it. Hmm. Sorry. So, oh. like... <laughs> <laughs> got excited. So once something becomes easier, right? Say, you know, brushing your teeth in the morning, like that's something that you've been doing your whole life. And, and it's quite often, I mean, like up until recently, every time when I'm brushing my teeth, I never really pay any attention to the action. It's just, it's, it's fully autonomous. I'm just, the, the motion's going on, my thoughts wandering everywhere, and it's just completely autonomous. But one of the ideas that Eckhart Tolle introduces is that, you know, you can make these experiences, these everyday little experiences that you take for granted, as a, a meditation by fully going into it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, say if you're washing your hands, right? Just feeling how the water touches your hands, you know, the, the smell of the soap. It, like, it just fully being immersed without 
without involving too much in your thoughts. It makes every experience that much more fuller. So yeah. I, I've been, I, I mean, this is sort of what happens when you're in nature as well. It's not something you see all the time. That's why when you go into nature, it slows down your thinking mind. Yeah. You know, lately I've been trying to bring a lot more of that into my daily life because I, I found that, you know, even if I'm compulsively thinking, right, I don't even remember what I'm thinking most of the time. It's, like, it's just completely pointless. It's like when you lock your door behind you, you're not sure whether you locked it, you know. Your brain goes, yeah. I've actually read about this um, quite a fair bit, and it's kind of your brain, once it's become so cemented in your thought process, it, it doesn't need to remember, really. It's just, yeah. it's just an unconscious act. Um, one thing to become more mindful about, or a, a kind of suggestion, is actually swapping it up so say you're doing you're brushing your teeth with your right hand deciding to use your left hand kind of right. unlocks that power of your brain to think and be more present with it and kind of acknowledge yeah. it doesn't it doesn't feel so automatic um and the other thing is uh actually people can use these techniques to kind of help them break bad habits so people have used mindfulness and kind of acknowledging and thinking about it and trying to experience it as a whole to stop them say from smoking they realize for the first time I actually hate how this tastes, you know? Yeah. It doesn't make me feel good, so why am I doing it? Um, I try to do it when I'm biting my nails. It's a really hard habit that I've been doing since I was a little kid. And sometimes I get stressed and do it, I do it unconsciously, but the, the, the main thing is trying to be mindful to stop you from doing that. So I'll let you know how I get on. <laughs> Absolutely. But you know, also, there's something to be said about slowing down your thoughts because you know like when when your reflexes kick in right say if you if you accidentally knock over like a glass or something and you just catch it instantly without before you know falls down like you, you just left wondering how how did i do it right well i think there's a lot more intelligence in because your conscious attention can only look at so many things at once right I think there's a lot of intelligence in your whole nervous system because it is constantly regulating your whole body, right? Like your body temperature, your hormones, everything. And, and even at the level of your brain, like you are constantly processing all the information that's going in through you, through your eyes, ears, everything, right? But your consciousness just focuses on a few of these things. And, and this is even further blocked when you're constantly engaged in these thought loops. Yeah, so I think definitely. I think, yeah. Mm, go on. I was going to say, when, when you slow down, it's almost like you're in a flow state. Every single movement you make feels a lot more intentional and you, you do things a lot more effortlessly. You don't put more effort than what's required and it's quite, it's so gentle almost that knocking down a glass would actually be difficult to do because you're so aware of you doing it. I've been in the, that kind of thought state a few times and it just feels so, it feels like how we should be living our lives. Really, and, and 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 you know also like say if if you take like you know um, people that are like masters of their craft, right? Say like an excellent tennis player or something. Like to be, to get to that level, yeah, you need to consciously learn some skills, right? But to be able to fully enjoy it, to get to get to that flow state, means to be completely in the moment without thought, just acting out of almost like instinct, if you will. I mean, so, I feel like that's what you're training for. It's to just yeah, yeah. that flow state around, I can't remember what the exact number is, but they say like the first 13 times or 17 times, I think it was or something. Um, you have to do it that many times before it becomes an enjoyable process. 
it might even be an amount of hours that um it takes a certain threshold for you to actually start enjoying it rather than trying you're actually doing it a little bit more effortless effortlessly mm. right anyway i think we should wrap it up because uh we love to to go on <laughs> we talk about it for hours but um so we just want to thank our listeners for tuning into the the enzo show with my friend Yus, my main man and myself um it's been a pleasure yes it has and uh, hopefully you tune into our next episode. And if you have any questions, please let us know in the comments. Or you can tweet us or uh, send us a message. Um, yeah. So my handle is at Francis Beaumont. That's spelt with an A and no E. Uh, and I'm at, at Usain Adam. So I-H-U-S-A-N and Adam. Sweet. So uh, how do you spell Usain again? I-H-U-S-A-N. Perfect, Mom. Right. Mm -hmm. Thank you very much, guys, and see you soon. Thank you.